Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. My name is Jennifer Waits. Hi, I'm Paul Reismandel. I'm Eric Klein. And today on the show, we're excited to be talking to two of the artists behind a forthcoming audio production, The New Adventures of Super Indian. This multi-part serial is a project of Native Voices at the Autry in Los Angeles. Our guests include Super Indian's creator, playwright, and co-director, Aragon Starr, who is also an enrolled member of the Kickapoo Tribe of Oklahoma, as well as artistic director, Delana Studi, who is an enrolled citizen of the Cherokee Nation. Thanks so much for, uh, to both of you for joining us on Radio Survivor today. Thank you. Thank you. Wado. So we're super excited. This crosses over into many areas of interest for Radio Survivor. And I wanted to start just by the most basic of questions for you, Aragon. Who is Super Indian? Super Indian is a reservation boy who ate tainted commodity cheese and gained superpowers. Wow. That's and how did you come up with that whole idea? That is fascinating. Um, it's I, I love, you know, we're talking about it as a radio serial, um, but it's gone through all these different forms. It, it sounds like it maybe started out as an idea in your head and then went to radio and then became a comic and now is radio or audio again. How did that all happen? Jennifer, it is all those things all at one time in the multiverse. <laughs> And it started as a crazy idea with another, uh, with a fellow playwright and I, we were at a theater retreat in Brisbane, Australia, of all places. And uh, he and I and the the first directors, uh, artistic director and executive director of Native Voices at the Autry were on this train going to the beach from Brisbane, the main city. And we just started talking about crazy stuff and I was like bouncing ideas here and there and whatnot. And then um, I said, it would be great to have a native superhero because the native superheroes that were on the market, you know, back in 2006, 2007 were never drawn by us were never written by native people, uh, certainly never published. And they were chock full of stereotypes and uh, just, Every misconception that you could, you know, and tropes there. I mean, there are native tropes that, the, that we all know about the, the shaman and the, the expert tracker and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I, that's not who we are. <laughs> At least if there was a native superhero that was going to be in my universe, that's not who I wanted to, to like hang out with. I mean, I, I would have more fun hanging out with Deadpool or something, you know, but this, I thought, why don't we have that? And so I kept that idea in my back pocket. And at that, the next thing that happened, which is pretty amazing, is that Native Voices got a grant to work with the Native Radio Theater Project. And this blossomed into a, hey, why don't you write a 10 minute version of that super Indian idea and we'll put it on at the national audio theater festival in West Plains, Missouri. And I was like, Oh, okay. Now when I was a kid, not only did I read comics, I also wrote little scripts that I used to record on my cassette recorder. So I knew that all of these things were possible and to see something like you know, crazy idea fully realized, you know, with not just me doing all the voices, but, you know, an actual director, a cast, (laughs) live sound effects and live music. It was like, 
It was it was wonderful. That's amazing. So so that was produced in around 2006. So tell us a bit about what that production was like. The 2006 production was crazy because there were, I can't remember how many of us, but at least like 20 Native radio and theater artists that went to West Plains. And we all hung out together. We just created together. There were uh, three other or two other um, plays that were actually produced as part of the broadcast of the National Audio Theater Festival. So it was fun to a be an actor and then run around and like how how does this need to be cut? It's got to run ten minutes. I've got to cut 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 cut, but you know keep the gist of the story going. So the thought was always for me. Um, I always hearken back to the stuff I read when I was a kid, which of course was Spider Man, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Fantastic Four, uh, and X Men, and I really wanted to have this be a young man who just, you know, by chance suddenly gets superpowers. And that and I had to build in his arch nemesis, which is a character named Wampum Bags, who gets hold of a mystical wampum belt and suddenly is, you know, it's like, I will teach you how to be Indian. Because again, that is another trope that you see in the comics about, you know, there's always this white guy that like is more Indian than everybody else. So, <laughs> so I thought, let's put this guy near. And um it was fun. And it was it, 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 at that theater festival. It really was um, funny. People laughed. And um, I know that Delaney will tell you this. It's really hard to get people to laugh at Indians or laugh with our humor. But that's something that is like so deeply ingrained in who we are that, you know, it's like we, I, I personally can't help but sharing that because I, you know, my parents were cut ups. I grew up with a bunch of cut ups and we were never taking things seriously. And when the mood get, gets low, it's like, you know, go high with humor <laughs> always. So it was a wonderful experience the, the, working with the actors, working with the radio professionals. And through that experience, um, it was determined that, okay, let's make Super Indian into a series. And it just, oh my gosh. So some of the people, the professional people from West Plains, including um, Sue Zizza and David Shin and William DeFree came to Los Angeles. And uh, so, so Native Voices said, okay, now, arrogant star, we want you to write 10 episodes. Ha <laughs> ha, you know, boom, just like that. So that, took on a whole other like, okay, wait, so what is this guy going to do? And what stories do I want to tell? And that's how it led to a full production at the uh, Wells Fargo Theater in Los Angeles with dozens of actors. And again, the same setup, live audience, live sound effects, live music, the actors coming up and reading their lines, and then it was recorded and then later edited um, for a broadcast across the country, thanks to Native Voice One, which is a uh, radio distributor. That's absolutely incredible. And and now, I, you know, I know that after that, it became a comic book. And there's a lot to the story before we bring Delana in to talk about what's happening now. But maybe talk briefly about the comic and then we'll fast forward to how it's coming back to audio. Okay. So after that wonderful production we did at uh, the Autry, 
the show came out, it was very successful. And there was actually six other episodes that were written for the, um, you know, for broadcast. However, you know, budgets, things, it didn't happen. And I was heartbroken, but I thought to myself, okay, so what do you do when you get the lemons? What do you do? So I took those scripts and decided that I need to teach myself how to actually draw comics, um, how to produce a comic, and then how to get it out into the world. Now, I already had skills. I, I know how to draw, and I've been drawing since I was a child. And in fact, that was that was my way of getting out of corporate America because I could draw. And that is a whole subset story in itself because I used to work for Disney, but as a, like a freelance artist doing their t-shirts and stuff for their stores. And those drawing skills enabled me to leave the corporate world and go freelance, do the music that I wanted to do. Cause I'm also a musician, a singer songwriter. And, you know, I, I have to just say, I love Portland that was in Portland. Um, I don't know if this, if you're friends with the people at KBU, but back in yeah. the day, KBU was the first postcard that I got that said, Hey, Eric and Star, we are playing your music here in Portland. I was like, What? Wow. I was shocked. As an indie, I couldn't even believe it because, again, this is my, my lot in life. I'm, I'm totally independent. And if I feel like I want to do something, I'm just going to find a way to do it. So I did the same thing with Super Indian. And I went to Comic-Cons. I went to San Diego Comic-Con. I talked to hundreds of people and went to hundreds of like those seminars that they have at the cons. And I said, how does this happen? How do you do this? I bought books. I talked to people. I drew and I drew and I drew. And it wasn't until 2011. That's how long it took me to actually put up the first comic online because everybody at the con said, don't put out a book you're gonna waste your money they're just gonna stay in your garage and um you know why don't you just put it out on the web because that was a thing back then i never a weekly web comic so super indian started as a weekly web comic and by 2012 i had enough material for a full graphic novel 64 pages four color it was ready to rock and then there was volume one there was volume two. And from there, I got other comic work. Um, and I, that thing has taken on a life of its own. It's taught in colleges and universities across the country. It, you know, people, like kids love it. Adults love it. Grandmas, grandpas, you know, they love that stuff. And so now, now there are a lot of people who are fans of Super Indian who, Probably they might be learning about this production that we're going to talk about, the new adventures of Super Indian, um, and they they may think that it started as a comic, not as as a radio serial. So now I'd love to talk to you, Delano, about as artistic director for the new adventures of Super Indian. What was this process like, and the decision to bring it to an audio, make it an audio serial again? Honestly, it was uh, we were pivoting from COVID. We knew we wouldn't be able to be in a theater space. And uh, we also knew people needed a nice way to escape. And the best way to do that is through humor. And I always feel like, especially for Native people, it's our humor that has allowed us to survive. And when people think of Native people, they don't think of humor. And of course, when I think of humor, I think of Aragon Star. And so um, I was secretly courting Aragon way back 
last summer. She had no idea I was really wanting to do Super Indian for our spring production. But I would call and be like, so Aragon, how's episode three coming? Do you have any new pages? What's going on? And so um, we didn't make that real offer, I think, until January. But yeah. <laughs> but for a while, I was just I was just checking in to see how it was. But I knew that Super Indian was something I wanted to do. Um, it's... I, it has a special place in my heart. It was I got to do the radio show when I was at the Autry back in 2007, and I loved it. It was so much fun, and it was something that was intergenerational, and I really wanted to have that moment, especially now with COVID. And what I discovered through the course of what's happening is we had a short play festival back in November, and during the short play festival, uh, we, we did it through uh, Zoom. We did it through the virtual realm. And it was through this realm that we were able to have access to people we never had access to before. Um, a lot of the tribes are helping people with stipends towards the internet. And my tribe is one of them. In fact, my parents in Oklahoma did not have internet until this happened. And so all of a sudden, a lot of our native communities had internet and they could hear and see. They had access that they didn't have before. And for a lot of our playwrights, it was the first time that their family members got to see their work, which was huge. And then my favorite thing is we left the chat on. And during the Zoom chat, it would be um, someone would be typing, like, I'm typing this for my grandma. She says this. And then someone else would respond, I'm typing for my grandpa. He says, yeah, that reminds him of this. And just to see the intergenerational dialogue that was happening in order to make the grandmas and grandpas accessible to Zoom was so inspiring. I realized our spring production had to be something that was for every community and every generation. And so it had to be super Indian. Of course, I wanted that anyway, but I thought it would be a lot of fun. And I, I feel like we need to laugh. I feel like we all need some lightheartedness in our life right now. So, so Native Voices, can you maybe talk a little bit about Native Voices and, and what that Pro, what that theater company is. So uh, Native Voices at the Autry has been around since 1994. It was uh, founded by Randy Reinholz and Jean Bruce Scott. In fact, um, I became artistic director last year. I had two weeks uh, before we went into shutdown. So I've, I've only been in the office for two weeks. The rest of the time I've been working remotely. Um, but Native Voices is the only equity theater devoted to developing and producing plays written by Native Americans, American Indians, First Nations, uh, uh, First Nations, uh, Alaska Natives, and Native Hawaiians. And so uh, right now we're the only, uh, I think we were the, we're technically the first, but we're, we're really tired of being the only. That's mm-hmm. 2021, we should not be the only. And so we're trying to find ways to not be the only. Um, but we do have um, a lot of followers because of that. And we do have a lot of leeway that other theaters don't have. And so this is a big step for us. And um, so this is, this is what we're doing. We pivoted. Uh, Usually we develop about three new plays a year. Uh, During COVID we developed four Uh, for 2021. We're going to be developing seven. And so it's given us um, this luxury of being able to really promote our playwrights. And because people can now access native playwrights through the web, a lot of our playwrights are getting commissions that would never have been there before. That's amazing. And so for for this production, for the New Adventures of Super Indian, will that be a live, will they be live performances or recorded performances? How is that going to be different from what you might have done in the past? So they will be recorded performances, which has been a, a big step for us because usually in theater, you don't have post-production. 
<laughs> taking down the set as your post-production. But in this case, um, you know, we're, we recorded everything in two weeks. We had 16 different actors from four different time zones. Our sound director was in the UK. So there's a fifth time zone thrown in to good measure. And we were able to do all three episodes in two weeks. And now we're in the process of doing post-production and so it'll stream uh, online, which is what we wanted. And so that way people can listen to it at their convenience. And, and Aragon, I'm curious, because I know comedy is really important. You both have been talking about that. And, and when you did the radio productions in the past, maybe with an audience, you know, I know audience can be important for comedy. Um, how did it feel this time? I'm assuming there was no audience when you were recording. So what was that like? It was a little strange. <laughs> I mean, you could see all of the actors laughing on Zoom, which was funny because they did. Um, but, you know, it was like, oh, shh, quiet, 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 you know. And um, I missed that immediacy of somebody like, oh, I get that. Ah, that's great. That's great. You know, um, but the, the thing about the live audience and the recording and the stuff that, you know, was like, ah, you know, the episodes of the original show were only five minutes long. So there was a lot of ground to cover in five minutes. And it was hard to set up a one, two, three laugh joke because there was not enough time to hold for the laughter. And there was a lot of laughter. You know, so there was a lot of editing to work, you know, to work on that because it's like, oh, wait, it's, it's got to be under four minute 48 because of the the little tags that have to go in each episode, you know. And the funny thing about that first recording that was always like, and I told Delena this, I said, you know, it would have worked better if we'd just done it as an hour program without all of the thought of like, no, what we're going to do is we're going to have five minute episodes and they're going to run at the top of the hour on each of these native stations or the bottom of the hour, you know, as little interstitials like, like back in the day of the tooth fairy. And I know that are, that's in the way back Michigan. They may never have run tooth fairy in wherever you might live, but it was something. Oh, that yeah. Tell us about it. Oh my God. Okay. This was craziness that ran. They were five minute episodes. Um, I heard them in San Diego, California. And it, it was just craziness of this guy. It was a man who was the tooth fairy and how, you know, just crazy episodes that was like, Oh, that is so weird because it seemed back in the day. And, you know, when I was growing up, cause, cause, cause look at the hair, the gray hair. Um, I used to always hear National Lampoon and, mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Demento and stuff like that. So those oh, yeah. things really grounded me in like radio can be really funny and can be really, really weird. And I, I wore out all of those uh, National Lampoon albums. I still have them. <laughs> That's what I was aiming for when I was writing my little scripts and recording them on cassettes. <laughs> that Monty Python. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I love that. Um Delena, had you so you said you had worked on the first radio production. Um, what were how was this one different? How was this audio production that's coming up? The new adventures of Super Indian. What sorts of uh, new creative challenges did it have this time around? Well, we finally got to do what Aragon wanted was, which was turn those five minute episodes into hour long episodes. So we really got to invest in the characters and see the character arcs and get to know them as people. And um, honestly, it was. It was a very surreal experience because we're doing it via Zoom. We're recording through uh, another, uh, I think it was through Audacity. Yeah. And so we have so many different technical things that are happening at the same time. And um, I think my favorite part for this one, because usually, like the last time we did it, we were all on stage together. 
and the Foley artists were right next to us. And I remember the first couple of rehearsals, we had to stop looking at them because we'd be like, what? That's how they make that sound? And we get so distracted. So um, this case, we ha- we don't have to worry about that. But we weren't in the same room. And so a lot of our actors had to make uh, their makeshift studios. So you could see them covered with blankets and uh, sofa cushions, you name it. It was up there. And most of them were in very dimly lit spaces. And so that was our favorite thing was seeing everyone in their own little cubbyhole and getting the pictures. But um but it was something that some, you know, it was, it was something to see and something to do, but it was, I mean, I hope we get to repeat it, but honestly, I don't think this would have happened if it was in the um, post COVID world, because we had so many different actors from so many different areas. Geography was no longer an issue. And we had some of the best sound designers you could possibly wish for. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Foley. I'm, I'm fascinated by Foley in radio drama. So I'm curious how you, um, how you did the Foley this time around when it was all done remotely. Did, did you stick to the, the old school Foley artist, you know, doing all the creative things with sound or did you do more sound design? And um, you mean, did they doing it sort of live with actual imp- like actual right. sort of implements and sound making devices or was it a bit more electronic? Yeah. Or both. It was more electronic this time around, but Eric can talk about that, but she did also create three new songs for this uh, for our episodes of Super Indian. Yes. <laughs> I, all of our sound effects are, do, are are being done in the UK by the wonderful Thomas Maggs, who is the son of Dirk Maggs, who is famous for his radio productions in England for the BBC. And Dirk and I worked together um, on a radio version of my one-person show called The Red Road. And I've known Dirk for many, many years, and we have the same sensibility. And he's such a fun guy to be around. And I was hoping that he could come back for this, but he is busy working with Neil Gaiman and the Sandman. Whatever. <laughs> I know. It's like, show that guy the hand, you know? But no, he, <laughs> he and Neil Gaiman have been friends for as long as, you know, I've probably been friends with him. And, um, you know, he said, what about my son, Dirk? I mean, no, no, what about my son, Tom? You know, he can work with the old man and, you know, and so that's how it, <laughs> he's working with the old man because, oh my gosh, Dirk Mags has this sound catalog that you just can't even imagine. It's probably like 5,000 hard drives of all these, like, you know, I, I asked him for one and I said, do you have the sound of a tour bus pulling up to a diner? Oh yeah, he's got that. Oh yeah, he's got that. So, um, so Tom is utilizing all of those. We're, we're doing some music library stuff, but Delana talked about the original songs because <laughs> one of the characters, um, in episode three, the war bonnet is a guy from France called DJ Deshay. And, uh, DJ <laughs> Deshay is a, a techno artist in the mold of <laughs> David Guetta and. <laughs> And he has a, he has a thing about this war bonnet because anyway it's the backstory but his music had to be in the show because he comes to the Leaning Oak Reservation to do a concert and he's got the lights and the sound and the turntable and the whole thing and I said wait where am I going to get that song I can't like steal can I can I ask David Guetta and like no he wouldn't do it so um, there are a couple of tracks where you know this music comes in and it's just like oh my gosh you're at Coachella. I had so much fun making those tracks. 
<laughs> you, maybe you've got a new career on your hands now. <laughs> oh, it's it's harkening back to the old career because, you know, I, I'm a singer-songwriter yeah. and I've got CDs. So it's just, you know, I've been meaning to make a techno album for a long time. So this is my my testing the waters. Your EDM. I would, yeah. mm-hmm. I would like to hear more about working with sound to make radio drama. Um, tell, tell me a story about uh, a, how a specific sound, um, you know, brought a scene to life. Well, this is the thing, Eric. They're still being edited. We have only, Delena and us, have only heard the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it was a rough cut. It sounded brilliant. There were some sound effects in there. Um, but it, he's still he's still editing and putting it together. Okay. So we're waiting to hear what he's going to do. In fact, his email today said, okay, so for episode two, it's going to be very um, uh, FX heavy for this, uh, you know, flashback scene. And I can't wait. I'm like, I'm excited because um, the, the character in episode two is named Blood Quantum. And that is how you think it's supposed to be. But Blood Quantum wants to become a full blood Indian by biting other full bloods. He's working off a, a, a an Aztec shaman's curse. Okay, he's got he's got debts to pay. He tried to steal. He he's trying to take take gold, and he's got to work it off somehow. So, <laughs> but the backstory is like how he came. You know how how did he come to be a vampire, and you know how did he come to hate native people so much? Hmm. Wow. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. I can't. I love that we're getting the behind the scenes as you're still producing it. Um. So so remind us, Delena how it's going to play out. I know the first episode releases April 14th. So how many episodes, how long is each episode? We're doing uh, three episodes. We're going to release one every week. So April 14th, and then the week after that's 21st, and then the 28th. Um, They will be up and running for a while. And once again, they'll be streaming, so you can access it anytime you want. Um, We're hoping that they'll be about an hour. Uh, Right now, uh, I don't even know if we have exact times yet. We're still... Mm -hmm. um, because of all of the sound effects, it's going to add some time or take away some time. So we're, we're waiting to see. But they're roughly going to be about an hour to an hour and a half. It's exciting, as you mentioned, that the audience, you know, suddenly you can have an extremely broad audience for these performances. And that must be so exciting, so so thrilling for you that you can reach people from all over the world. Absolutely. And as, you know, as a Native girl growing up in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, I so wanted to have a superhero that looked like me and that sounded like me or looked like someone I knew. And it's taken all these years and arrogance finally given us one. And so I'm so excited that our native youth are going to get to grow up with super Indian. And have you thought about, or or will you be making this available to radio stations that might want it? I know that the first series was conceived specifically for radio and this now, uh, you know, is, is conceived to be streamed online, but uh, in many community stations and college stations still particularly actually have radio drama shows, you know, dedicated an hour weekly or on some regular basis to it. That's a good question. And that would actually be a very good use. Oh, the program. Well, it's something to explore. I know there's <laughs> rules and things and such and such and unions and whatnot. Right. Equity actors. I understand. Yes. Right. Actually, actually, this is Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. Yeah. Time. New media. Wow. Ooh. Right. Because you're online. That, that yeah. I, I realize that that's been one of the things that kind of became an early, I don't know if to say controversy, but something for, for people to consider right in uh, at, at the beginning of COVID when, when theater productions 
would go online and sometimes they would just be in video, if not in audio. Um, right. Then now you've got a whole nother situation with working out with the unions. How does everybody making sure everyone's getting what they deserve? It's a whole and, other show of radio survivor with and, a and, and lawyer of course, and different, a- different, different unions <laughs> also want to make sure they're getting what, you know, which mm-hmm. unions in, in control. So I can, I, mean, I, I now realize I've opened up a can of worms. I will now, I will now put, put the, put the lid back <laughs> on that can of, of worms here of, of, of who's got equity and who needs to, to, to help make sure this could be on the radio. It just seemed to me like it would be such a, a, a sort of wonderful uh, kind of opportunity. And, and I think that often um, you know, community and, and, and uh, college radio shows that, that, that feature radio drama are always looking for, for fresh, fresh ideas and, and, and to hear from some uh, fresh voices. Absolutely. And, you know, what we discovered during this time is that access is the most hoarded luxury and for the first time, a lot of our Native communities have access, and we want to keep that access and keep the stories going and get these stories out to the communities that they were written for. So um, we're really hoping that some aspect of this will continue on even once we can rejoin in public. And when you when you release the episodes, Delano, you mentioned that with some other productions that have been going on with Native Voices at the Autry You've done things over Zoom where people have the opportunity to chime in with comments and questions. Will that be the case with uh, the new adventures of Super Indian? We're going to be creating a slideshow for the beginning of uh, the new adventures of Super Indian. So you can get familiar with the cast, who they are in real life, and of course, the characters that they're going to be playing. And we also have a glossary of terms because we are there's some res talk happening. We want people to be able to follow along, even if they're not from a reservation. Um but basically, it's going to be just a normal audio show with all the bells and whistles. And we want you to use your imagination and picture what these characters will be like. You know, back in the day, people would go see Shakespeare and they would say, I'm going to go hear a play, not necessarily see the play. And so we want you to be able to hear the story. Um, and the great thing about it, like I said, is it will stream so you can watch it anytime. You can watch it while you're doing the dishes, on your car drive, etc. And so we're very excited about that as well. And. And I'm curious about the actors. Were they all familiar with doing audio drama or did you have folks? Because I know this has been a really interesting, difficult, challenging time for theater and for actors. And and some folks are obviously seasoned audio performers and others maybe less familiar. So I'm curious about the crew that you had. Not, not to mention that they're all working remotely. So they might be seasoned, but have they... Have they engineered their own recording session before? <laughs> right. Well, and it's totally different than yeah. being on a stage with your fellow collaborators. So, yeah, some tales from that um, from that whole aspect would be interesting to hear. Well, we had a variety. We had some people that were seasoned professionals that have done voiceovers for all their careers. And then we had some people that were just starting out. And uh, Native Voices, we did call around and see what equipment they had. Could they make a space? And for the actors that didn't have the equipment, we we bought it for them and sent it to them. And they got to keep it after the recording because we really do hope that um, our Native actors continue to do this kind of work. Um, and so that was one of the I think that's one of my highlights of working on Super Indian is we are able to give people the tools they need to succeed after. And um, but you will see I mean, you won't see, but you'll hear uh, we try our best to get the sound evenly because, you know, when you're filming in different locations or recording in different locations, everyone has a different sound. So um, some people had to go back and redo it. I'm sure Aragon has tons of stories. 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I mean, and I, it wasn't just like, oh, you have to. Like, I had to redo. I had to redo, and here I am, and I think I know what I'm doing, but oh no, no, I had to go back and recut all of my lines. But that was okay because we had had the Zoom experience, and we kind of knew the script by then, so it was actually kind of easy to just like let me just put it on record, and then I'm just going to run my lines. Since since and this that is, was okay. Since this is Radio Survivor, can I ask you what went wrong with the first recording? What was the what was the issue that needed to be re-recorded? Well, I got to tell you, look at my room here. I didn't have enough sound support, so I still sounded. I ha- there's too much reverb on what I was yeah. I sent in. Okay. It wasn't dead enough because you know in post they're going to add stuff, but they it all needed to kind of sound like it was done at the same place. Yeah. And so there were a lot of challenges with all of the actors that you know it's like okay, your room is too live. And you got to deaden it or, you know, you sound like you're in a box. <laughs> yeah, that's well, yeah, if it wasn't if we weren't a show about sound and about getting specifically nerdy about radio production, I never would have asked that question. But so you're you needed to um, you needed to to deaden your room a little bit. What, yes. Was it? And um, I was under the blanket. Oh, okay. yes. That was the question is, did you? Yes, the blanket had to go over. I had some other microphone booms. Oh, yeah. yeah, Professional. And and so what's it like acting under a blanket? It's weird because I just had like a cut out there for my mouth to like be (laughs) next to the mic. And then it's like, oh, no, too many plosives. Oh, I'm popping the B's and P's. Oh, my God. We're glad glad on Radio Survivor that you were uh, in your room. Like a normal person, not yeah. No blankets yeah. were were harmed in today's production uh, mm. of, of Radio Survivor, and and so the the primary recording then it sounds like it was synchronous. Is that yes, it, right? Because I know oh. you know in in some other types of voiceover work, often it's asynchronous. Everyone kind of gets records their parts. Sometimes they hear other people. Sometimes they don't. But you did this as live, even though you had to do some later syncs like That's wonderful. almost like so, you would have to do within a film right when you do mm-hmm. ADR additional dialogue yes yes that is correct and um you know we i think the zoom format actually kind of worked well because you could hear what the other actors are doing and either try to match them or bring it down and you know to work you know, as live as you can and in the moment as you can and in that process we found a lot of great stuff because as a co-director, I was able to like, okay, wait, stop. That's perfect. But try it like this. You know, one of the characters, um, gosh, Janine Washington, she's so awesome. Uh, she's uh, Yuchi and Seminole, which are close to uh, my mom's uh, Creek tribe. And she speaks Creek. So I, I was actually, there. there's a character that's a Creek doctor, like a physicist or scientist. And I wrote her Creek lines and she was able to you know, just like that, deliver them. But there was this other character that was an older woman that was a friend of my character, Grandma Logan, whose uh, sidekick is Grandma Snowball. And they are both like bingo buddies. And I was like, okay, so Janine, I like what you're doing. I like how you're sounding kind of old there. And I said, but what if you dialed in Grandma Snowball has like a pack of parliaments every day? And it was beautiful. Oh, my God. I I die every time I hear her. Every time she would speak, I was like, okay, this is killing me. This is so awesome. Because there's there's always that one old lady that sounds like that. You know, it's like perfect. Oh, well, this really sounds 
I mean, it sounds like you're really like you were directing a film, except really with all the focus on voice, because so much of the time it seems that a lot of uh, radio drama is done pretty well live, right? right? And certainly in theater, you rehearse and you would have that opportunity to to, to do some of that, um, you know, some of that adjustment or, or or getting the performances that you like. Uh, whereas in film, there tends to be fewer rehearsals generally, and you tend to kind of jump in depending on really how much money you have for film and to pay the actors to hang out, right? <laughs> so, so this, this is sort of interesting to me. It, was there was there any improvisation then as mm-hmm. time went on because you found because the actors started to find their chemistry? Yes, and I think the chemistry between the two actors that play uh, Super Indian slash Hubert Logan, because that's his secret identity, and his best friend General Bear slash Mega Bear. That's that's his <laughs> superhero. Um, they really built a nice camaraderie of like two res boys that are friends and have joked with each other since they were children, and I, it was really nice to be able to hear their journey from children to adults you know when do you get to hear that very often so three episodes to explore like okay so he has superpowers but he doesn't and okay so how did how did they become a crime fighting team so (laughs) it's fun stuff and honestly it's an actor's dream uh we had 16 actors and i believe at one count arrogant we had 95 characters Mm -hmm. so everyone Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so everyone had to try on so many different voices and different people. It was, I, I know as an audience member, I was having the best time of my life. But to be able to see all the actors make their transformations and um, and be like, oh my gosh, that's the same person that did that voice. It's it was insane. But sixteen actors, ninety five characters. And, and, and yes. how often would you have ninety five characters in in a stage production? I imagine something like that has happened somewhere, but and. Unfortunately, not at Native Voices. We don't have that kind of budget. Well, I mean, after a while, it's just a costume budget, right? I mean, because certainly I've seen I've seen theatrical productions where uh, the same actor will will even even in, in large sort of Broadway style uh, productions, mm-hmm. the same actor will will play multiple roles if if they can pull it off. Uh, but ninety sixteen by ninety five, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a that's five X, right? In, in, in more or less, that's that's five roles a person on average. Yeah, well, and, that's, that's and that's incredible. And that's the fun of seeing. I've seen a few radio dramas where it's exactly what you're describing, Delena, where you could see the actor in all these wildly different roles. You know, a child, and then you know, a much older person. Um, so. Yeah, that's super fun and fascinating. So, so in this instance, we won't be able to see the actors. Is that right? We're we're just going to have an audio presentation. Sadly, yes. no. I wish you could have seen all of these people do their work. It was great. Although I think we do have a really great blooper reel that we might release later uh, of the actors in their spaces doing their parts, uh, just because it's hilarious. Especially the Walla. The Walla was my favorite part. I don't think anyone could stay, um, have a straight face through the Walla. So the Walla is the background noise in certain things. And so, um, but yeah, watching the actors do zombie Walla was my favorite. Oh, yeah. Can you describe that a little bit more to get us excited about it for when we get to hear it eventually? Okay. So zombie Walla. Yeah. There's zombies that come to the res too. 
So the byproduct of the vampire biting you for your full Indian blood is to become one of his subservient call center zombies. And at some point we had to have the sound of the, the, the whole tribe getting bit and being the rawr, grr, arr, kind of thing. And it was so much fun. <laughs> So it was all. And then they have to people. call me to tell me my auto insurance, my uh, my auto uh, <laughs> exactly. It was care all plan of- is is running out. Yeah. Right. Yes, it's all about so, your warranty, sir. So oh a walla is a group of people yabbering in a production in an audio. Yes, we doing that. Oh, one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Watermelon cantaloupe. Watermelon cantaloupe. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I hope you do release the blooper reel because as you were describing these scenes, that's exactly what I was thinking in my mind was that it would be fun after listening to the three episodes. It would be fun to see because I'm always fascinated by the behind the scenes, by the behind the scenes aspect of, of radio drama in particular. So I think that would be that would be cool. I hope you do that. It's happening. And you're, release- <laughs> and you're releasing a streaming. So it's going to be out, it's sort of embedded on a website basically yes so i have the little slideshow beforehand uh i almost like i kind of connect it to whenever you go to the movie theater and you see the little trivia before the movie comes on we'll have our little trivia before uh super indian comes on and then hopefully we'll have um we might have a blooper reel at the end we'll see what happens and i'm curious you know and again maybe this is gets complicated because you are dealing with with equity talent um but it would would could you release it as a podcast Quite possibly. I know we're in the process of doing that research right now just to see what that would entail. Because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the renewed interest in audio drama is now. It is, you know, and there's a fairly well-developed sector now of, of very you know, interesting and, and innovative audio drama happening in podcasts, right? And I think that there's probably a ready audience – uh, for for this, but who you know are are used to consuming their audio, looking through Apple Podcasts, for instance, like that's their go to, and and uh, it, it could potentially open up open up the audience even more. Is is why I why I ask, and, and not not only because I work in podcasting, <laughs> and this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're hoping it'll go further. And I'm curious. So when you normally do productions at at the Autry in Los Angeles, what sort of theater are you presenting? Like, what size is the audience, which and how is this listen- different? Which the listener should know is is a museum. It is a museum, yes. It's, the Autry and is a museum, and but you are a theater company. We are a theater company housed in the Autry. And so just to put it in perspective, when the um, Autry is built in 1984, I believe, um, I could be wrong. I should know my Autry history and I apologize. Um, It was built to be a showcase for Gene Autry, the singing cowboy. And the theater was actually more of um, almost like a lecturing space where um, you could go in and talk about your books. And yes, we can pull down this little slide panel and you can do projections behind me, but there was no backstage. There's no sides. There's no dressing rooms. It's a very, um, it's like an auditorium. And so, it holds about 290 something people depending on the, on what we do with this, with the stage. Sometimes we have to take out the first two rows to, to construct our stage just so we can have a little bit of uh, backstage for actors. So it's not exactly the best theater space, but we've made you with it. And it's actually, um, it's very clever how our designers work in that space. 
So usually we can get maybe 290 people. I know that for our short play festival, we had more people watch online than we could physically fit in the theater. And we're really hoping to continue that. But um, there's, yeah, once again, putting 16 actors on that stage would probably have never happened. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> but we are in the process of getting, a, uh, we're, we're raising money to build a, a better theater. We're at 90% there. So. I'm told by the internet that the Gene Autry, the Autry Museum was founded in 1988. 88. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, internet. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to think, you know, there have been so many challenges over the past year, but. I, I continue to be inspired by all the creative ways that that people are adapting and that new audiences, you know, that we're creating new audiences for some of our work as well by, you know, transitioning to doing an audio production that that can be heard worldwide. And so in this instance, the episode, the first episode is released on April 14th. And, and will people be able to listen to that for a while? online? Oh, yes. It'll, um, all the episodes will be up and running for at least three weeks, maybe longer. And you're releasing them, you know, in, not as a binge, although if someone comes in later, you're releasing them week to week. Is that to still give it that kind of episodic feel and, you know, the sense of, of, of do you have cliffhangers? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, it's written in some respects uh, without harking back to the old radio serials where it's like, coming next week or stay tuned for. And I'm excited about that kind of format that, you know, we, we build the world, we serve up some leaning oak realness, and hopefully people will just gravitate back and say, I want to know what happens next. And I'm wondering... And Oh, yeah. I'm wondering. Go if, ahead, Eric. I'm so sorry. I'm wondering if there's any, this is a really difficult question, but you know, when, when you put on a piece of theater, um, the audience enters the room and enjoys the show together at the same time. It's a, it's a collective activity. That's sort of its power. Now you're making audio drama that's just out in the world. Have you done any work or do you know what's going to happen? Um, to form community around, like in the audience. Like I'm wondering, like, will, will people listen together or will everybody, um, you know, be inside of their earbuds experiencing this individually? Ooh. What, well, what we've discovered is they've been listening together as family groups and we're really uh, lucky with Super Indian because we created an educational curriculum. So we know that classes will be listening to it together and following along with the curriculum. And so that's very exciting for us. And we're specifically targeting, you know, tribal schools and uh, uh, colleges and universities that have a large native population. So we do know some people will be listening to it together. That's great. I hope that they do some work to make sure that the sound, uh, the the sound in the classroom (laughs) is very good. Yeah. Like the best possible, not, not just uh, built in laptop speakers, but like, (laughs) <laughs> I, want, I want the audience yeah. to be able to experience it. I want them to hear it. Delana, can, you, can yes. you tell us more about the curriculum? Like, like, so what does it mean to create a curriculum around a, a, a radio play like, like Super Indian? Well, there's a lot of history that goes into Super Indian. There's a lot of um, some Native jokes, but also if you're not familiar with Native history, uh, some of the things that we reference you may not understand. And unfortunately, a lot of our Native history is not taught in schools. So uh, it's up to us to make sure they have that information. 
And so our curriculum for Super Indian is actually, it was designed by our education team. It's, I'm in love with it. It makes me so happy. But it talks about what is a superhero? What do they stand for? What do they fight for? And who are our modern day superheroes? Specifically, who are our modern day super Indians? And so uh, it encourages the children, the youth, to go out and find those people in their communities and talk about what they're doing to elevate their community and raise awareness about certain issues. And it reminds us that even though we don't have superpowers, we all have a way to impact our community. So it gives teachers uh, tools, I guess, and in questions to kind of help guide a student in inquiry, right? And using this as a as a touching off point to learn more, connecting through this, uh, what is a fictional idea of a superhero, and then thinking like, well, well, what does that mean in, in our in our everyday lives? And hoping that, that that encourages students to learn more about uh, about Native American history in, in various in various regards. I think people don't always uh, think of that naturally. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is true that that I, that cultural uh, pieces in fiction is used as a way of of understanding larger histories and larger cultures but but sometimes uh, at first blush it's it's very easy to take them more at surface value right and i think um it's interesting to me to hear that that you that you were proactively from the beginning deciding to create curricula around it it, it was that always is that something you've done before is 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 that something uh, fresh for this project it's, it's we started it last year with our last production called lying with badgers and so it's something that uh, before I came onto the Autry that I've always included with the shows that I do. And so it was something that was very important to me. Once again, it's, um, you know, I'm at that position now where I can give my younger self what I didn't receive. And I mm. never had anyone coming to my school to tell me that my culture or my language was valid. And it's, it really did impact me. And so I hope no native child has to grow up that way. So I'm, this is, this is my chance to give back to my community because they've given me, everything that I have now to get me to this level. And so um, our Native youth is a very strong component of our new uh, Native Voices agenda. And I'm very happy to talk about all the things that we're going to be doing with the youth in the future. But um, but yes, it was very important to me that we had the curricula. And um, also it dispels a lot of stereotypes. One of the great things about Aragon's writing is she does tackle some very heavy issues within our community, like repatriation and appropriation and she does it with uh, with humor and also with compassion. And so I feel people are more likely to hear the message behind the story if it's encased in humor and compassion. A white vampire who seeks out the blood of full natives to why yes to appropriate their culture? Question mark. Like you do. <laughs> Why yes. Well, and 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 it's it's unflinching humor, but but I mean ultimately that's I mean it's very contemporary, right? It, it sounds you know although you're using a medium with, with with a great deal of history, and that again is often thought to be you know basically outmoded. It sounds as though all of the the humor and and the sensibility you're using sounds very contemporary and sounds like something which was truly that 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 youth can identify with right that that this is it may be a medium that they're that they may be less familiar with but not uh, the content is not stodgy for lack of a better word exactly and arrogance has been really great about putting in all these little easter eggs depending on 
what you usually follow. And so um, if you're a big baseball fan, you'll catch a few of those. If you like old movies, you'll catch a few of those. There's several songs, um, but she has built in all these little Easter eggs for everybody. So it's, it's very fun to reread and to listen uh, to the episodes because I'll find I, I missed that one. And I'm like, Oh, got it now. And, <laughs> She's and, sneaky there again. And I'm thinking about, you know, fans of the, of the comic too. Are there, is this all an entirely new story or are there pieces of it that have um, a comic that is associated with parts of the story? Yes. Uh, the episode two, the curse of blood quantum is actually contained in super Indian volume two. However, that story started as a 15 minute radio script that didn't get produced on the first round. So it's, you know, it was a radio script and then it was in the comics and now it's back to a full length extravaganza. And I can't be more thrilled. <laughs> it's, it's also meta and self-reflective. I love that. Um, and I must, so thinking back also to the audience um, for the educational component of it, I know that it's important to, that you're reaching out specifically to native youth. Uh, but I'm also curious about if you're reaching out to, to teachers and schools generally, because it seems like the, the whole message of it would be important for everybody to hear. Absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the biggest problems that we've always had to face at Native Voices is people think Native plays are only for Native people. But a good story is universal. And the more specific you get in telling that story, the more universal it becomes. And um, Aragon has done a great job with Super Indian. So I think it's accessible to, by everybody. I think it's uh, non-Native kids and non-Native adults. I think people will love it just as much as we do. So how can people hear it? You would want to go to www.autry.org. And then you would find Native Voices and you could RSVP uh, for your link. And then the day that these get released, you will receive your link. And then, of course, you can listen to it whenever you want. But you would RSVP through the Autry.org. And we'll also put some links in the show notes so that people can find um, more information about Super Indian in general and, you know, take a look at some of the comics. And, and I'm not sure. Are, can we also access some of the earlier radio dramas, Aragon? Well, that's something I'm toying with at the moment. Um, I do have the old recordings. Um, I'm thinking about putting them on SoundCloud. Thinking about that. You know, just so you can hear what we did before, which was excellent. There was nothing wrong with what we did before. It's just it was too short. <laughs> we wanted more. more. Well, now you're doing more. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think it's really exciting because, you know, Paul, you were just talking moments ago about how radio drama is a you know is a very old uh, art form in our country. You know, it comes before uh, it comes before television, right? But and so, in, for some, at some points in our history, like y young people might uh, not have ears for that. But these days, you know, kids are listening to a lot of stuff. But it's I just I thought it was really. This ra this particular radio drama was recorded in individual, uh, under individual blankets, out in the <laughs> world with with so many with everybody meeting live over a Zoom call, but recording themselves in in their homes all across the country, and that sort of thing is um, it's very contemporary, right? That was not that was not <laughs> a possible art form. 
No, no. In right? any no. moment in our history other than, no. uh, you know, in the Everybody last would have to years. be on a conference call or something, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Ten, even exciting. just 10 years ago. And w- w- my question, is, so, uh, for each of you, I'll start with you, Arrogant. Would you do it again? Oh, my gosh. In a heartbeat. If they wanted six more episodes, oh, I have those. I have those. You know, because I can always draw back to what I did in the comics. Um, and then also the previous scripts that did not get done. You know, there's six episodes that, you know, just floating around that – like, ooh, I want to bring that back. But, you know, there's groundwork to be laid. There's, you know, other things to be considered. But I would love to. I love this medium. I really love it so much because it brought me so much joy as a kid growing up. And I would hear the stories from my parents about how they would, you know, listen to the dramas, you know, the shadow knows and all of those. I grew up with that stuff. And to to perpetuate this and you know to to harken back to the well they never would have done this before or this wasn't possible but i always think back to myself you know natives have been storytellers forever and if you think about you know okay well they didn't record our stuff but you know we memorized it told it to other people and the comics have always been around because uh, native people are the original comic book artists and storytellers petroglyphs what the heck are those? They're mm-hmm. comics. They're stories. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, this is something that's just natural to us, like, you know, falling off a log. How about you, Delena? I mean, I'm sure you're you're eager to get everybody back on the actual physical stage. Would you do a project like this again, uh, this sort of remote radio uh, play here? Oh, absolutely. Because, like I said, it's, it allows us access we didn't have before. It was amazing. We were able to work with uh, native actors in New York, which would not have been possible if we had been in real life because we don't have the budget to fly them in and house them and pay them to be on our stage. And also our audience, we were able to reach our grandmas and grandpas in remote areas that are definitely not going to be flying into Los Angeles to go to a staged reading. And so for us, it was just, it was a lot of fun and I would really love to do this again. In fact, uh, we would like to find ways to get other episodes of Super Indian out there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a Native Voices production. We want Super Indian to be everywhere. It's to a point where Native theater and Native radio shows don't have to be only in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and audio is an incredibly accessible medium, too, because even though it sounds like, you know, there's been effort to bring internet access to, to more and more homes uh, in, in native communities. Um, it sure takes a lot less bandwidth than, than high def video too. Absolutely. Right. And, 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 and folks who have, you know, various uh, differing abilities with regard to vision as well. Yeah. Um, we're in the podcast clock now. I want to ask okay. the first okay. podcast question, which was um, <laughs> you had, you'd mentioned that this project was part of an effort to get people online for the first time earlier in today's interview. Oh, Can you tell us more well, about what that is all about? Well, what happened earlier when, when everyone was sheltering in place, um, a lot of our tribes were doing the same and we were really enforcing virtual schooling and it was to keep our elders safe, right? Because when we lose an elder, we're not just losing a loved one. We're losing our language, our culture, our ceremonies. And in some cases, if there are no fluent speakers, ceremonies can't be done. So protecting our elders was of utmost importance. And one way to do that was to allow our, our youth to attend virtual school. 
And mm. so a lot of tribes are putting stipends in for that technology. And it was to save our elders. And what we discovered is by doing that, uh, because families were potting together, you know, um, I, I'm in a, like right now I'm in Oklahoma with my family. I have my mother, my father, I have three nephews, my sister and her husband, I think four dogs. <laughs> we're in, um, we're on 30 acres of land. They're our nearest neighbors, like a mile away. So we're our pod. This is who we are. Your and internet so is so good right now. Was it this good a couple months ago? Was that what, did you just get oh, in, like, we just, I uh, know internet, this internet is brand new to us. It's through satellite because there are no cables leading up to my family's home. Um, and we've had it almost, it'll be a year in May. We'll have had internet wow. for a year. I hadn't, I mean, I'm glad we're on the podcast now. I had not like I didn't worry about your your audio or your video connection to us. And now this moment I'm realizing uh, what a luxury that was that you have been you've been connecting your call has been connected to us the entire time without issue. And uh so I think it's it's really interesting that that was not available. No, up until last May, ago. it was only through dial-up. And I honestly don't know anyone else who uses dial-up no, except yeah. for our res- <laughs> reservation you, communities. You wouldn't be able to work. You wouldn't be able to no. learn. Mm-mm. No, that's no wow. way. Neat. Why did that take so long? That's a well, different that, show. That's someone else's. That's a different. I know. Well, and that must be wiring. I mean, it's incredible to think about. You know, your family suddenly having this access. How has that changed? Yeah, good it's question. changed everything. My mother has seen all the scary movies on Netflix. <laughs> I am not kidding. Every We've seen them all. So um, my dad likes all the Western channels. My mother, I mean, Netflix, Hulu, all the stuff we didn't have before. Um, my family's just, it's, you know, it's a luxury. They're having it. And then, of course, my nephews are on. They're playing their games online now so they can actually have friends from other states they can play with. It's It's just a whole new world for them. And like I said, at this our short play festival that we had in November, that was the first time my parents got to see a short play festival and got to see um, one of my cousins on stage, which was exciting. So it's allowing communities to come together and it's allowing for that communal space to happen. And it's been a while since we've been able to do that, especially during COVID when we can't have a ceremony like we used to. That must have been a very significant, like... Uh switch in the midst of the pandemic before before may and after may having having is it called broadband when it's satellite yeah okay is it, okay <laughs> yeah, once you're, what, yeah if it's not di- i mean you know there, right. there, there are there are actual real fcc definitions that people fight over but um you know if it's faster than dial up it, it likely uh <laughs> it certainly looks like broadband to me is what I, yes, <laughs> we walk a, like a duck to say quack like I'm, a duck i'm grinding our good interview about art to a halt to bring it up but we actually <laughs> on radio survivor we actually talk about this we talk about these issues, sometimes yes. we talk we talk about how the fcc could be doing better so this is not mm-hmm. this is not out of nowhere that i've become fascinated now with internet access in your and home it wasn't an easy process sorry yeah. erica <laughs> no please go ahead in order for us to get it I'm going on my i'll join you in in that trek is we actually had to cut down trees to create a clear line to the satellite tower. 
And so uh, it took a lot of digging and chopping down trees. Oh, and so so is your family's home connected um, wirelessly to the to like a main outpost that brings in the satellite to the neighborhood? Or yes, there's a it's less than a mile away. There's a it, it's on the biggest hill in the area. You can find our our internet satellite, and if you have a clear shot of that from your little satellite in the front yard, you will have access. It gets a little iffy sometimes if it's raining yeah, or yeah. foggy. <laughs> yeah, it's true line of sight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. All the all the all the considerations that, that that have to go that have to go into it that you don't think about it till until of course you're in it and you got to do it. Yeah, I mean it's a good reminder. You know, when you hear people talking about oh everybody has shifted to remote school and working from home, it's a, an important reminder that that was not simple, you know, in any way, shape or form for a lot of people in our country. Yeah. I still, there's probably still stories of people who don't live in certain cities or in certain neighborhoods. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it it can really be like that. It can be both urban and rural, but it can also be neighborhood to neighborhood, you know, based upon what investment has been allocated to that, that place. And we know how that is often uh, highly, um, fraud and and prejudice process much of the time. Well, and even, you know, even in San Francisco, which, you know, people think of as a very tech heavy place, um, you know, there were many students at my daughter's school who didn't have internet access at home and, um, and her middle school provided, they had a grant to provide iPads to every student with a data plan. And for many of them, that was the only way their family had access to the internet. And, and you would think in San Francisco that that, Mm-hmm. You know, it would yeah. be a surprising story, but it's not. So it's an important reminder. But I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that your family was able to see art through <laughs> the installation of broadband. I mean, that warms my heart to be able to watch family members on stage in this way. And for a lot of our people, it was the first time they saw a Native play written by a Native person starring Native people. And so it was a first in many ways. And it just, you know, like I said earlier, boggles my mind that it's 2021 and we're still having firsts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it reminds, it, it's a stark reminder of what many of us take for granted that we really shouldn't on the one hand. And, and part of that is recognizing uh, that there's still much more to be shared uh, beyond, beyond this. And, and and it can, and it can be done. Like that's the other part of it. Like right. <laughs> it's not just for us to sit here and shake our heads about, but that there are it, it's there are real hard. things that that, that yeah. can be accomplished. And some of it is political, but and some of it is and some of it is economic, and some of it is the political economic right. But yeah. but that um, these aren't foregone issues. And you know, having broadband today is better than not having broadband today. You know, it, it, even if you haven't the previous year. Um, but at some in an episode sometime this year, we will we'll, we'll we'll try to wrap our heads around the big picture of the United States. Well, well, because it is it is back on the, yeah. on the burner. It's coming at back the, at the back. at the FCC, uh, and it's a different FCC with different priorities. Yeah. With a little bit more, a little bit more focus on 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 equity and inclusion uh, compared certainly to the previous. Uh, four years that we had, but um, we're way off. We, we, we've gone down one of our radio <laughs> yeah, survivor no, okay. rabbit holes here. Have, Jennifer, did you have anything else that was on I have one list? more question about um, 
Eric had asked about cliffhangers, I think, in some of the episodes. Are you going to end the third episode with a cliffhanger? That's what I'm curious about. That's funny. In a way, um, there are two female characters that are like at odds with each other. Oh, I spoil it. No. Oh, sorry. Ah, don't t- take that out. Anyway, yeah, you um, want me to cut that out? At odds. We'll take we that give out. you an edit, yeah. Eric. Yes. Yeah. Take that Just, out. No spoilers. We don't like spoilers. No spoilers. This is why I let Eric take those questions because I will tell everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, to say it without spoiling it, 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 it's interesting how two people can be at odds and then come to some kind of an understanding, but we're not really sure. It's, it, it's sort of clear, but not clear. Okay. So, so we leave the door open to, to yes. uh, the next, to the next story. Future hijinks. Future hijinks. <laughs> I, I looked up, I looked up the secret adventures of the tooth fairy. Uh, <gasps> you did. You, yeah. I've ne- so I've never heard of it. I have never heard of it. Uh, I had neither. It's it's because I'm old Richard, and I lived in San Diego. Richard Allen Orkin was an American voice actor and commercial radio producer who created the Chicken Man radio series and the Secret- Chicken Man. Chicken That's Man. what I was yes. thinking about. And the Secret mm-hmm. Adventures of the Tooth Fairy. His voice was used in many radio advertisements, public service announcements. And before he mm. died, he had the in 2010 he had the National Association of Broadcasters remove his name from the Hall of Fame because he didn't want to share the honor with Rush Limbaugh. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. so he's one of he, so I, I like. I'm him. glad you. Wow, I'm glad you dug that up. Yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia, yeah, Wikipedia is my best friend during radio. Yeah, I um I met virtually. I met uh, Dick Orkin a few years oh, ago wow. because uh, I work for Stitcher, uh, and we have Stitcher Premium, which is a uh, subscription service, and we we licensed it. Uh, oh, you. Tooth Fairy or a few, tooth, or Chicken Man? Uh, chicken Man. Chicken, chicken Man. Man, yeah. Yeah, we licensed wow. it for a while. We had the entire hmm. series. And so I was on like a like this kickoff conference call with with Dick Orkin. I remember okay. that. Wow. I didn't, realize wow. He, I didn't realize he passed. He died in 2017, December of yeah. 2017. Gosh, it wasn't that long ago, but it must have no. been like 2016. There's no such Goodness. thing as long ago and short ago. No. Indeed. Not anymore. Except but but good on him for uh, yeah. not wanting to be. On I know game. that's <laughs> right. I love that. Like, we haven't mentioned power. we haven't mentioned the passing of the Rushbow here on uh, Radio Survivor yet. <laughs> I don't think we have because it would it'll because it, we have nothing nice to say. That's why. Yeah, uh, amongst other reasons. Got nothing. Got nothing. But when you mentioned the the tooth fairy, I was like, yeah, it must be like, and I kept thinking super duck in my in my head, oh, and funny. I knew that was the wrong reference. And I'm like, no, no, it was it was a foul. <laughs> like, <laughs> the reels are turning, chicken and so now man. Eric's research okay. is like, I, I remember, I remember hearing Chicken Man, inspired by the mid '60s Batman TV series. The series was created in 1966 on Chicago radio. Yeah, chicken man. never I, heard of it. It was, cool. you know, I I heard it on the radio here and there as a mm-hmm. kid. Yes. And even in New Jersey, which is not Chicago, obviously. Um, syndication, yeah, perhaps? Oh, yeah, it was syndicated. <laughs> and they were only like, they were like three minutes. Yeah. Recall, yeah. Right? They were just super little vignettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are very influential. And I, I kind of thought that's how Super Indian was going to be. It was just going to be these like, you know, okay, so there's a super guy and he does stuff. And there's a witty observation and then, and coming next week, yeah. you know. 
So took it took a different way. I I I need more time to tell my stories. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, often it's more difficult to create something that's short. You yes, know, like a thirty possibly. second commercial. Um, is that yeah? Is that how you feel about you know doing these different lengths of of um, radio plays? I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that I found, you know, because I'm the writer for the comic book, the artist, etc., that I thought taking the early scripts and like, oh, now I have 23 glorious pages to tell this story would be satisfactory. But what I have found, um, especially, you know, adapting Blood Quantum back to radio was like, now I can do even more. Because A, I don't have to draw it. And um, it's like this world has expanded with just the thought of like audio effects. And an actor can do this or and there can be action. <laughs> punch, punch, punch. You know, and no, no fights have to be choreographed. Nobody's going to get hurt. It's like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> I loved it. I'm looking forward will to you have, it. It's will you have any exciting. of your imagery when people are listening? Um I know you're going to have the slideshow ahead of time, but um, when the audio performance is happening, what will people see on the screen, if anything? We're in the process of figuring that out. We're thinking it's going to be either nothing or a still photo of something from Super Indian because we want people to actually listen. The slideshow will stop when it starts because I don't want people to be reading something else, not paying attention. Um, So we're in the process of figuring that. We're still in the early stages, which is so funny to me. Uh, because usually by now we're up on the stage, but it's coming soon and we're very excited. But like I said, we're in the process of uh, working on our slideshow and creating that glossary of terms. Do you know, have you <laughs> have you been checking in with anyone else in your industry about theater groups making radio this year? Is that a big sea change? Is, is it, are other theater groups doing it or is it – I mean I, I read one article – in the New York Times like six months ago about a theater group in New York doing it. I, I know the Milwaukee rep just did some audio tours. And um, and so that's where, in fact, I, I was one of the actors on one of those audio tours, which is where I was mm. like, oh, we can make this work. And um, as a person that's on Zoom seven hours a day, I'm, I'm so Zoomed out. <laughs> it's it's too much, you know? And so I was like, if I have to sit through another Zoom play, and don't get me wrong, I like seeing the Zoom plays, but when you've been sitting in front of your computer all, all day anyway in a Zoom meeting where you constantly have to be present because yeah. people are looking at you, and by God, if you look down, you're not paying attention. Yeah, hi. Um, it's my privilege. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's so nice to be able to turn off. And um, there was something really lovely about watching the Zoom plays whenever we were doing the Zoom plays is that you could be in your pajamas. You could be, you know, drinking your Coke, eating your food. No one's going to see you. And if you happen to have a strange reaction, your neighbor's not going to look at you like you just ruined the whole play for them. Uh, <laughs> if you have a coughing fit, you're fine. Yeah, yes. Exactly. I know that's so stressful. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I was like, this is for me, it was, this is a nice escape from what's happening. And yeah. Super Indian's a nice way for us to get our minds onto something something fun and lighthearted, but still has, you know, heart to it. But at the same time, it allows people their own, um, their personal sovereignty, if you will. Wonderful. <laughs> that's, I think that's a great place to end. I know. Thank you for wow, both of yeah. you for all your time today. And I, 
I know. I'm super excited. Yeah. To yeah. Listen. <laughs> You've sold it. I am ready. <laughs> the 14th, right? I'll go yes. sign up. I go get my RSVP. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's um, the other thing. It's completely free because we want yeah. people to have access. It's a free show. We're not charging for tickets. So yeah, that's lovely. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll throw that into the radio edit. Thank so you. That, cool. So that we know that. You also had me at the commodity, at the tainted commodity cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I love that as the source of the superpower. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we're going to have a an online cast party. And I think one of the things we're trying to get was a block of commodity cheese to raffle. And so- <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Grade E edible. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. Food. <laughs> a processed food. It's not, or it's a cheese food, right? Cheese food, food. Yeah. A che- cheese processed food. cheese product. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, my thanks again to Aragon Star and Delaney Studi for joining us today on Radio Survivor. I really appreciate them taking the time uh, with us for the radio program and podcast. Uh, to find out everything, you can go to the show notes for today's episode at radiosurvivor.com. Our email address is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. This is a, a podcast, which is Time Shifter Radio, which means you can always subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. We are available each week bringing you news and information about community radio, college radio, non-commercial radio, low-power FM radio, and community podcasting, as well as radio drama in this case on behalf of jennifer waits who produced this week's episode and paul reese mendel my name is eric klein thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week